another episode of the Rental Journal Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and today's guest is Curtis Ford. Now, Curtis is a little bit different to most of the guests that we've had on the podcast. He actually specializes in debt collection in the construction industry, and I thought it'd be really interesting just to learn a bit more about him and his company and I, I think that there'll be a lot of learnings for people out there that are struggling with their debt collection as well. So, Curtis, thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. Maybe to start off, we want to talk about who is Curtis Fort, where are you based, and what is your company name? Sure. Yeah, my name is Curtis Fort. I'm the CEO of Construction Credit and Finance Group. We're based out of Fort Myers, Florida. Uh, we specialize in commercial debt collections and litigation and assisting our clients' credit departments. You caught my attention because we haven't had anyone on the podcast in this space. And I think debt collection can be a real challenge in the construction industry in general. So so maybe do you want to give a rundown on how you first got involved in debt collection in, in general? Yeah, it'd be my pleasure. Years ago, I got into it. I was working at uh, Chase Manhattan Bank and got recruited by a top nation's uh, commercial debt collection firm out of Houston. Um, I had started working early in my career there, uh, learning the ropes of debt collections, credit litigation, quickly became a, a top performer at that company and um, ended up getting two customers uh, that were on the same job site. And they were subcontractors. One was an electrician, the other one was a pipe fitter uh, working at uh, two ethanol plants in two different states for the same general contractor. And, you know, those cases totaled up to combined uh, nearly $5 million. So it was a big eye opener for me. You know, I had a lot of different customers at that stage in various industries, uh, but none of those balances were quite as large as these uh, two construction cases. And so, you know, from working those cases and finding resolution for those customers on those, uh, we were able to help get those customers back a large portion of the funds they were owed. And uh, it really kind of changed my life forever at that stage, learning about construction and subcontractors, heavy equipment, uh, suppliers, concrete suppliers, uh, just really changed my career and trajectory at that stage in my life. Yeah. So we're chatting about it just before the podcast. So I guess debt collection, like there's a bit of stigma behind it that where you got to be like this tough guy, you got to have a thick skin, uh, you got to have these hard conversations, you can't take no for an answer. Like, like what what's it actually like being a debt collector in construction? Like what what's the what's the day to day look like? <laughs> Challenging, but uh, very rewarding. You know, it's uh, it's definitely not made for everybody. It's an industry that you know breed success and competition at the highest level, you know, um, construction is, is just a challenging industry. If you don't understand construction, there's so many facets from material suppliers to subcontractors, general contractors, property owners, and all these things make the world of difference in the debt collection space in the construction industry. Mm. And then, so you mentioned that you first got exposed to the construction industry while you were at, at, at one of the big banks. And so when did you first get exposed to the equipment rental part of that within construction? Because that's almost like a niche underneath construction. Like, was that something that you always were aware of? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, growing up in central Illinois, you know, we were around two of the largest manufacturers of heavy equipment. You know, it was actually uh, a dream of mine to, to work at Caterpillar, uh, you know, and then we had John Deere right down the road as well. This podcast episode was sponsored by Boom and Bucket. I love that name. Such a good name for a company, Boom and Bucket. Boom and Bucket was started by two ex-Caterpillar employees and is the easiest way to buy and sell heavy equipment. If you're selling, Boom and Bucket will inspect, photograph, market and sell your machine so you can focus on your rental business. If you're looking for new equipment, Boom and Bucket has hundreds of inspected and guaranteed machines that you can browse and buy from right on your mobile phone. See why the average buyer gives Boom and Bucket a 9.5 out of 10 review. Check them out at boomandbucket.com. Uh, two large behemoths in their own right. And, um, you know, it's funny because I ended up working with a number of cat dealers and, and still do um, throughout my career. And, you know, I found some of those guys through a trade association, the AED, and, and just working with inside of associations built around construction. Very nice. And you were over in Florida recently for the, the AED show, that's all? Yeah, yeah, we uh, were the preferred vendor for the AED, uh, the Associated Equipment Distributors, and uh, their preferred vendor for debt collections. And we were out at their Orlando event, met a bunch of great people, new customers, and we love supporting that association just as much as they do us. Very nice. All right, well, maybe do you want to give a bit of a breakdown on how a typical debt collection process works for the listeners? Because maybe it's something that a lot of people aren't actually aware of um, and it'd be a great insight, I think. So you just want to run through that, that process. Yeah, absolutely. You know, debt collections, you know, from a creditor standpoint, their, their goal is always to get as much data as they can, uh, on each project, you know? So if you're a heavy equipment dealer, you're going to always want to know, of course, where your equipment's being used in, in real time and on what projects, you know, and understanding, the dynamics of who ordered the equipment, if it's a subcontractor or a prime contractor, general contractor, uh, those things are important, you know? And so we work with our customers to try to help them with their internal processes to make sure that they're sending, you know, proper lien notices to the correct parties. We assist them with their lien filings. We assist them with any kind of bond claims, insurance claims, filings uh, that may happen on a respective project all the way to the demand letters and, you know, more aggressive needed approaches to collect on receivables in the construction industry. But heavy equipment dealers uh, are, are very niche and these, these folks run their, their businesses with integrity and precision and, and try to make sure that they provide the highest level equipment to their contractor or customer base. And our goal is to you know, complement their brands and assist them with diplomacy at every facet. I mean, it's a detailed job. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine, like you mentioned so many steps along the way there. Like if someone is trying to do it in their internal department, there's so many things if they're trying to manage it, they might slip up on or forget or not, not be aware of, and they can just delay the whole process even more. Yeah, 100%. And if you don't have the correct information on a job site where your equipment's being delivered, you know, you could actually lose all your leverage on a project. So it's so important to make sure that all the details 
for every piece of equipment leaving a dealership being delivered somewhere that you have the exact name of the business, uh, the exact address where the equipment's going to be used. You know, if, if you're a dealership that has GPS telematics and are fortunate enough to have that on all your equipment, you know, those things help as well through that technology. But yeah, it's so important that they follow, you know, the chain of command and it's so different because every country, every state is, is different, right, on, on creditors' rights in construction. So, you know, we, we have the tools to help customers uh, navigate all, all those laws uh, that are required as well. Mm. Yeah, what's the, the process for, like in the U.S., if like a piece of machinery is on a construction site, let's say a dealer's renting a large excavator and it's on a construction site, and that construction site goes into liquidation. And so it's going under. In, in Australia, we have this crazy rule. It's called the PPSR, where basically the, um, the administrators can come in and take that equipment away from the rental company. And it's, it's now part of the liquidation, even though it's a rental item. In America, like what happens when a company goes into liquidation? Like, is there ever a process where someone needs to go in and help collect the equipment because they might be losing it? To administrators? Yeah, that's a great, great question. And it really depends on the original agreements. Uh, if that equipment is out on rent, you know, it's it's not the so long say, let's call them a debtor, right? You know, that's going under liquidation. It's the it's the rental house's property. It's not the debtors. It's just under rent. Now, if that equipment was being leased, then that's different. Yeah, they very well may be able to come in and liquidate that equipment. You know, if, especially if it's going into some form of bankruptcy uh, and liquidate those assets. Uh, but if it's a rental company, more often than not, their primary objective would be to identify where that equipment is at, ensure it's there and get that equipment out of there as quickly as possible as that job site were to be winding down. They at that stage would, of course, want to send out a notice of non-payment. This podcast episode was sponsored by the Fleet Office. Get away from paper documents and spreadsheets and become more compliant by using a cloud-based fleet management software. Save money by streamlining your hire business and understanding your fleet and utilization better. Create quotes, invoices, allocate equipment and operators to jobs and easily compare your projected income with your current invoices, making you more profitable. Pre-starts, risk assessments, maintenance, timesheets, dockets, and asset efficiency, all managed on one easy-to-use platform. Learn more at thefleetoffice.com.au. To the subcontractor, general contractor, property owners, to ensure that that if they have to file a lien for non-payment, that they do so. Because if they don't have that notice of intent, and every state has a different wording for it, but... Ultimately, it's a notice of non-payment to all the parties. And then after that has expired, then you would want to get the actual lien on the property. Mm. And so what's the process if, let's say, a machine is being moved to a different job site, the customer's not paying for the machine, and the rental company wants to go out there and collect their equipment? Like, What's the legal rights in terms of someone actually collecting that equipment? Is there any trespassing things they need to be aware of? Like, How does that work? Yeah, again, if it's on rental, typically they don't have to worry about a trespassing aspect. It is their equipment. It's not a leased piece of equipment. 
And so more often than not, that rental company is going to go out there, identify where their equipment's being used and pick it up, you know, in, in reference to non-payment. And then that's, of course, when they would also want to start sending out their notices of non-payment to all the parties. Because if you miss that, you know, for example, if you have a subcontractor, a general contractor working together for a property owner and that subcontractor stops paying and they have to go pick up that equipment, they have to send out a notice of non-payment to the subcontractor, the general contractor, and the property owner for that lien to be valid. Uh, you know, if they miss one of those steps, in some cases, those liens can be contested and removed and or bonded around complex legal stuff, but <laughs> that's, yeah. the, that's the part of it, you know, the, the challenging part of it. Yeah, so just for our international guests, because uh, lien is, is very much a U.S. terminology, do you want to sort of give a breakdown of what is a lien? Yeah, lien is a secured, it's basically a security agreement, it, you know, so if there's a, a non-payment for materials or services or work performed on a project and a subcontractor stops paying, that lien is going to ensure that that creditor uh, has security on that property. So if they sell that piece of property, that lien has to be satisfied before that property can sell. So it protects the, the creditor's interest, so to say, on a project. Gotcha. And so you obviously would have seen a lot of uh, crazy stories over the years of, as you said, that, that, that $5 million example. So is there, do you want to give maybe one of your success stories and maybe one crazy story from the debt collection days? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. There's a, uh, there's tons of them. Uh, we had a case about a year and a half ago where one of our heavy equipment clients had placed a customer. It was around 130000 the guy owed. Uh, we made contact with the, the customer. He was around 90, 120 days delinquent at this stage, not responding to our client's efforts. Um, we finally made contact with the debtor, um, with one of our private investigators. We actually sent out, we found him, located him. Uh, my private investigator was able to serve him papers, let him know he was under an asset and liability investigation. So the debtor called us back, wanted to know what the investigation was all about. When we let him know who we were representing and the money that we were hired to collect, you know, he, he let us know that he didn't mean to, to get into this position and that he, he has all the best intentions, right, to pay our client which is common. We hear this all the time. And so do our clients, you know, we have all the best intentions to pay and then they go radio silent. You never hear from them again. So uh, we had to actually take it a, a, like a step further and hire a private investigator to get his attention, get boots on the ground, somebody in, in front of his face. When he called back, you know, he, he was owed a lot of money on three different projects. And he said that he didn't have any resources to collect his money. You know, he'd been trying to get a hold of the contractors to pay him his draws that he was due. And uh, he was getting behind on projects. So he asked if there was a way that, you know, we could forego any action against him in order to try to see if maybe he could get some money collected. So we went back and let our client know, hey, this is the position your customer's in. He wants to resolve the balance. Unfortunately, he's owed a significant amount of money and he's unable to collect these funds. And so our client allowed us to actually represent the debtor and go out and assist him in collecting his receivables. Wow. So that way he could pay them, right? 
And, you know, having that creativity and having a strong client base that understands, you know, the common goal is to see all parties happy. When salespeople are in the heavy equipment industry, for example, and they're out there selling a $250,000 piece of equipment, it takes a lot of work, a lot of experience. And, you know, when you have customers like that, the last thing you want to do is lose them or send them to collections or have to sue them. Um, and I have found that in my career, being more diplomatic in my approach and, and treating past due customers with respect and dignity, uh, more often than not, breeds success. Other than, you know, being a completely thick-skinned, narrow-minded individual that's just all about trying to chase the dollars and, and collect money with nobody's reputation in mind, uh, that's just not how I operate. So. That that's an amazing story. The fact that you asked to go out there to collect money and then you end up collecting money for the person that owed money to then help them pay their, their bill. That's, that's an amazing story. Well, the customer was able to retain that client as well. You know, relationships weren't a hundred percent severed. It didn't have to go to litigation to where, you know, there's no hope of retaining that customer. I was able to work with that corporate credit manager of our client, articulate the position of the debtor, show the necessary documents and the invoices showing he was owed. And it made sense for our client to allow us to go help that guy get his money. And uh, it was a win-win for everybody. And then so for companies that haven't worked with anyone that manages construction credit and stuff like that, is it a percentage of the debt or is it just this flat fee or is it a time and materials thing? Like how do, how do these companies typically charge when they work with, with companies? Yeah. I mean, like with our billing structure, uh, our goal is to try to help customers, our customers mitigate their collection cost. right? How do we help increase their revenue while reducing their cost? The good part about the construction industry and the contracts that are typically signed allow for past due customers to bear that burden of collection fees or legal fees and or interest, right? You know, because those contracts on credit applications and personal guarantees more often than not clearly outline that the debtor, the past due customer is the one responsible for those fees. So we have built processes and rate structures for our customers uh, that actually allow us to pursue those debtors for the collection fees on top of the principal balance owed, okay? And if we can collect all of it, we actually keep the collection fees and send our client back the principal balance. So it costs them nothing to use us on some cases. And we can't, we can't do this on every case and perform those kinds of miracles. But what we are able to do is dramatically reduce that customer's cost. So I would always encourage rental companies, heavy equipment companies, anybody that's extending credit, just to make sure that your credit verbiage, your contracts have that language built into those contracts. So the customer knows it's their responsibility to pay the cost of collection or attorney fees. Mm, that's some very good advice. So then what advice would you give or tips would you give to a business that's trying to improve how they receive their payments on time? Like what, what advice would you give to someone? You know, find creative ways to encourage your customers to pay promptly or even early by, you know, offering them discounts. 
there, there's a number of ways to secure payments. And again, if, you, if you're doing the, the research up front on all the jobs and you're sending out the proper notices, typically it's going to encourage payments. So those things uh, can help tremendously as well. You know, there's every country's different, every industry's a little bit different. And there's so many different software providers throughout construction as a whole, but even down to niche industries such as heavy equipment, you know, there's companies out there like Build Trust, you know, that have automated software that really helps streamline your company's processes here in the US. And I know that they're growing fast and abroad. So uh, there's a lot of resources out there for companies to encourage their customers to uh, pay early and promptly. Mm, no, very true. All right. Well, if you could give some advice to, to young Curtis, what, what would you say? Be humble. Be open to learning. You know, the, there's tons of right doors to walk through and there's tons of, of wrong doors to keep shut. And um, just persevere, look yourself in the mirror, be happy with the person that you are and try to help, you know, the person beside you, uh, gain knowledge, insight and advancement. Is that stuff that you think you only learn over time? Like it's, it's, uh, obviously when everyone's younger, they don't have that, that insight. Yeah, man, it, it comes with time, uh, life experiences, children, family, you know, <laughs> these things, uh, shape us as humans, right? Mm. No, definitely. And is there anyone that comes to mind that's played a big influence in your career, do you think? Maybe from a mentor perspective? Yeah, absolutely. From the, the company I was headhunted from out in Houston, you know, a gentleman by the name of John Lindley was one of my mentors. Sky nurtured me and trained me about uh, construction uh, at the highest level and invaluable insight and tutelage that changed my life forever. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, always look for mentors in respective pieces of your life, whether it's business or personal, you know, to have mentors out there guiding you and giving you advice. Uh, it's, it's priceless, especially in a world where people tend to feel like they know everything nowadays. It's, uh, it's good to have humble yourself and have mentors. Yeah, definitely. The overstimulation of information on the internet. Everyone's got an answer. I, I always joke with my wife, like you can type in like the answer to, to the same question, like two different things. And like, you'll find those answers on the internet. Like I could say that alligators aren't in Australia <laughs> and then they'll come up and then, right. and then I'll say alligators are in Australia and I could find an answer for that as well. Like it's, yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, <laughs> you can't, uh, it, it kills me the, the overstimulation of information. I think people need to do a lot of more fact checking on stuff. 100%. How do you define success? Truly being happy with myself, uh, knowing that I am providing for my children and family and, you know, ultimately doing what I can to assist in, in the evolution of our family and, and bloodline to, you know, continue to thrive in a world and, and bring value to those uh, closest to us and abroad, you know, uh, never give up continue to strive to be the best person I can be every day. Very nice. All right, Curtis. Well, thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. Hey, Mark, it's been a pleasure and look forward to doing another one of these with you. This podcast episode was brought to you by our premier partner, Kenan Tire.